God is good. Amen? Amen. Wow. I'd like to say, you know, the saying from Taco Bell, I'm fool. Um, just think about, you know, how God is more than enough. And we're such hungry and thirsty people, and so it's good to come and feast upon the Word of God, the truth, and the Spirit to fill us. So praise God. Praise God. You know, not long ago, I went into a restaurant to order a sandwich. And I'm not here, and please hear this, hear this, hear this, hear this. I'm not putting down the establishment. I'm not putting down the person who served me. I just want you to hear It's a story, okay? None of you read like the three little pigs and you get all mad at the wolf of the pigs, okay? So just deal with the story. So I went into this establishment to order a sandwich and I ordered this kind of bread I want, this kind of sandwich I want. And they, they pulled out the bread and, and typically they take a knife and cut the bread and just gently fold it open and, um, and then put the meat down and then whatever toppings and all that kind of stuff. And, and what happened was I, I thought I was in a war zone because she took out that bread and she just like ripped it open. It's like like tossing a hand grenade or something, I don't know, but she ripped it open, and then, I don't know if you've ever seen the signs, when you look up at your order, and there's always, it looks like there's like five pounds of meat on your sandwiches, you know, and instead it was a couple pieces here, and then green stuff, and then the little mayo, and I, I, just put it in a blender next time, and just throw it on there, because that's what it looked like, it was like, I'm looking at this going, that's, that wasn't good, that wasn't good, and, and again, I don't know what was going on in her life that day, okay? But as I looked at it, I'm thinking, that's not your best. And I, and, you know, I'm, I know I'm paying for that, right? Um, but here's the thing. I, it caused me to ask, and I'm looking at that, it caused me to ask, do I always give my best? You know? I was ready to critique her on her best, but I have to ask, do I always give my best? And so we have to ask ourselves, do we always give our best? I mean, if somebody were to give you a gift today, okay? Let me, let's reverse that. If you were going to give somebody else a gift today, would you give your average or would you give your best? Because if it was coming to you, you don't want somebody else's average gift to you. You want somebody else's best gift to you. Many of you have blessed us, and thank you so much for blessing us uh, with helping us out while Jenny's on crutches and getting through all this, and you bless us with food. I, here's the deal. You didn't bring your leftovers, okay? Nobody came over with mac and cheese that was still in the Tupperware from a week ago and saying, well, here you go, and, and there's a big block of cheese, you know, and say, we brought this for you. Hope Jenny feels better. You didn't do that. You gave us your best, and we appreciate that. Thank you. And, and I, I think back to college um, when my sophomore year was coming home, and, you know, if you, those of you that went to college, you know what I'm talking about. And those of you are, you know, you got kids at college, take note, okay? But I remember coming home from college at Thanksgiving. Here's the thing about Thanksgiving coming home. The feast, the food, ham, turkey, mashed potatoes, gravy, stuffing, corn, pumpkin pie, right? Home-cooked meal. Now, I want you to understand this. College today is different than college 30 or whatever, 20-something years ago. I can't remember how long it was. It's better food now, but it still isn't home-cooked food. And when I came home, I've got my mind just thought, I'm driving home, oh, what am I going to have? You know? And I pull in, and I had some duties because I was working at the school, so I, I pull in, you know, and we're having our Thanksgiving feast the day before Thanksgiving, and, and Mom's like, I changed things up this year. 
I just thought we'd do something different. Because we do all the time. What we do is go Pizza Hut. What? You ordered out? Because we had the day before Thanksgiving, our Thanksgiving feast, the day before. And it's like you order. That's fake food. That's substitute food. That's not home-cooked food. That's not your best mom. And I didn't say that to her, right? But that's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. You know, sometimes we only give our best when it matters to us, right? But in reality, we should be giving our best all the time because we expect the best from others, but do we give our best to them? Now, why am I saying this? Because I'm thinking about, do I always give my best to God? Do I always give my best to God? Because I know God always wants to give us his best. And let me change up the phrase, my best to God. Let me change up the phrase. How about... Let me be victorious for God. I, I, I don't only want to just be my best. I want to be victorious in how I serve God, how I live for God, what I give to God. But I have to ask, do I do that? You know, I think back to the young lady that was behind the counter that day. I, I don't know what's going on in her life. Maybe she was in a hurry. Maybe she didn't care. Maybe she had a bad relationship, breakup, something. I don't know. Maybe her boss yelled at her. Maybe something bad's going on at home that it caused her to just not want to give her best at that moment. Uh, maybe she's preoccupied with something else going on in her mind. You know, think about all those different things that maybe cause us to say, I, I can't give my best right now, and I really can't be victorious right now because I've got this going on. How many of you this week would say, this week has been victorious for me, and I don't raise your hands, but... You, know, you look back at this week and say, how victorious was I living for Jesus Christ this week? How victorious? Was I really giving my best? Was I being, seeing victory in things that I did? Or were you preoccupied with other stuff going on because you're so busy? Or maybe you just didn't care. Uh, maybe you're tired. You know, I ask people, you know, why, why aren't we victorious in life? Why aren't we giving our best? Why aren't we, and they say, because I'm afraid to fail. I'm afraid if I try, I'm probably going to fail, so I don't want to try. So there's multiple reasons, right? And I thought about this more as to why maybe we aren't living victoriously and giving our best. Maybe because we're out of focus. Maybe we're looking at the wrong things in life. Maybe because we're preoccupied with all these other things and we lose sight of living victorious for God. And, and it, it, it appears, if you look at our world today, especially if you turn on the news and you're, you're checking social media all the time, it's very easy to look at this world and say right now we're losing as Christians. If, if you were to look at it and just sort of big picture like, oh, darkness seems to be ruling. Evil seems to be winning. And Christianity seems to be failing. It's just sort of scary times. Our, our nation is not as Christian as I thought it was. And you start looking on the news, and it almost feels like we're not very victorious. But we've got to step back, and, and you need to hear this. I need to hear this. We serve an undefeated God. We serve an undefeated God. He is victorious in all things. Because I've placed my faith in him. And if you've placed your faith in him, you've confessed with your mouth, and you believe in your hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord then your position has changed. Pastor Landon preached about this. Not only has our position changed where we stand before a holy God, blameless and pure, but his spirit, God's spirit, now resides in us. My identity, who I am, changes as well. When I saw your shirt when you walked in today, what does it say? Christ lives in me. Stand up. Let's do a little modeling here. All right? Not too much. Not too much modeling. Okay, I won't make you walk the thing. Yeah. But Christ lives in me. When you walked in, I'm thinking, dude, I'm preaching on that today. So... You know, 
and you believe it. And it's like, thank you for wearing that today. When I see that kind of stuff, it's like, yeah, we, we see it, but do we, do we live it? Do we live it? Do we realize it is so true? We serve a victorious, undefeated God. Therefore, I too can be victorious because Christ lives in me. And I can be living at my best. I can be living in victory for him, but a lot of times I forget. So let me remind you of truth. 2 Timothy 1.7. Please hear this truth. 2 Timothy 1.7. God did not give us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and Love and self-discipline. When I think about those words, what that means, power, the Greek word for that is dunamis. Dunamis is where we get our root word for dynamite. It is explosive power, it is miraculous power. It is God's mighty power, his work, working through us, his power. And love is agape love. It's that selfless love. It's that love that we talk about in John 3, 16. For God, so it's that love that is beyond all other love. And self-discipline, that's a sound mind that's thinking straight. And Paul says, God didn't give you a spirit of fear, of walking around feeling defeated and joyless or powerless. He gives you a spirit of what? Power, the dynamite, dunamis, agape love, and self-discipline, that sound thinking. We were talking about this week in staff. It's like if you get it and understand it in your head where the transformation takes place and goes into your heart and it comes out in your hands and your behavior. Self-discipline, love, and power. That's the spirit that God gave us to live victorious for him. But we forget that, right? We lose focus. Sometimes I have the wrong focus. I allow fear to creep in. Fear creeps into my mind, causes me to veer direction. Next thing you know, I'm grabbing a hand of worry and doubt. And we're off to have a little party in Rex's mind with fear, worry, and doubt, just having a party. And all of a sudden, the rest of my body crashes because I've allowed those wrong things to come into my mind. Paul says in Philippians 4, 6, and 8. Actually, turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. If there are kids in grades 3 to 5 in here, you, uh, you sit in the class with... Uh, Mrs. Delgado and Mr. Burke Holder on Wednesday night. How do we find Philippians? <laughs> G-E-P, Gentiles eat pork chops. I heard that and I had to laugh. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. G-E-P, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Gentiles eat pork chops. I don't know how you guys came up with that. But when I heard that, I couldn't help but laugh. Thank you. I knew one of you would say it. So we're in Philippians the third of the small letters written by Paul. Philippians 4. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians chapter 4. Look at verses 6 through 8. Verses 6 through 8 says this, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for what He's done. If you do this, you'll experience God's peace which is far more wonderful than a human mind can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear friends, let me say one more thing as I close this letter. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely, admirable, and think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. 
of what Paul says here, and I think about this. He says this, don't be anxious, don't be worrying. Don't be anxious, don't be worrying. And I had to think about this. What causes us to be anxious? What causes us to worry? I mean, we're all fearful of things. We talked about it a year ago, maybe about things that scare us and fear, and we talked about that. But I look at this different now, this passage, thinking about what we're fearful of, because I thought about this. My kids have fears. We had, okay, now they're sixth grade, 10th grade, and a freshman in college. But when they were little, when they were toddlers, when they were getting into kindergarten and, and first and second grade, when they were in elementary school, they had legitimate fears in their lives. And one of my kids was afraid of the dark. Thus we put what? A nightlight in his room, right? Because he doesn't like the dark. Can I ask you this? Let's be honest, okay? Adults and kids, if you want to, you can join us, adults. How many of you, if you remember when you were a kid, you were afraid of the dark? Raise your hand. Let's be honest. Look at that. There's a lot of us that were, right? Okay. Now let me ask this. How many of you adults are still afraid of the dark? Whoa, no hands. Wow, that's amazing. Kids, you see that? Get out of it. But see, as an adult, I look at that as a kid and say, why are you afraid of the dark? If I turn off the lights right now and turn it back on, nothing changes around me. If I close my eyes, open them up, nothing changes around me. I had another son who's afraid of insects, didn't like insects. Maybe it was because he got stung 15 times by a yellow jacket. I'd be afraid of insects too, right? And I look at this, that's just a spider, step on it. But I don't like spiders too, but anyway. But as I get older, I'm less fearful of some of those things. But as a child, my fears are legitimate, right? But as an adult, I'm saying those are irrational. You shouldn't be fearing those things anymore. Everybody following me on this? This is our Heavenly Father, just like as I'm a parent to my kids, saying, fear not. Listen, you don't have to be fearful of those things. God does the same thing with us in Philippians 4, 6, 8. He goes, don't be anxious about that. As your heavenly father, I'm telling you, you don't have to fear that anymore. God looks at us and says, hey, kids, stop fearing. Why? Because I didn't give you a spirit of fear. I gave you a spirit of what? Power, love, self-discipline. I didn't put fear in your life. I gave you things to combat fear. Darkness, insects. What about violence? Don't fear that. What about failing? Nope, don't have to fear that either. What about disease, cancer, death? Do I have to fear that? You don't have to fear that either. Hmm. Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. Let me hear you say anything. Anything. One more time. Anything. So let's throw that little line out there. Fill that blank in. Don't be anxious about what? Rick's got surgery tomorrow morning, right? Do you have to be anxious about that? You don't have to be. Don't be anxious about it. But everything prayer, we prayed about it, right? Surgery October 13th. Do you have to be anxious about the surgery? No. It's very easy for it to creep in, right? Paul says don't be anxious about anything. In the old translation, for those of you that grew up in maybe whatever different kind of church, I grew up in a Baptist church, we had the King James Version, Okay? And when you open up the King James Version, you read this. It says, be careful or anxious for nothing, for nothing, for no thing. Follow me? Sometimes, though, I can't live victoriously because the focus is out of whack and I get worried about something. I'm anxious about something, right? Oh, boy. 
I hope we win today. Oh, I have an assignment due next week. Oh, boy, I've got to get that assignment done. It's pressure right now. Oh, at work right now, I've got this situation going on. The doctor report comes this week. I wonder what they're going to say. I wonder if I'm going to get paid. You know, my mind gets all this cookie, right? Now, I can lean on a couple of you chefs right now, okay? But think with me, please. It's like putting meat in a marinating sauce, okay? I have to ask you, what is your marinating sauce right now? Is it worry? Is it fear? Or is it the peace of God? Because when we take our lives and we set it in a sauce to be marinated, it takes on the flavor of that sauce. And a lot of times we take our lives and we put it around worry and fear and we just soak in that and we take it on. The next thing you know, our lives are just saturated with fear and worry and anxious feelings. And God says, no, 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 you're dipping it in the wrong sauce, okay? Read with me, would you? Look at this again. But in everything by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God... The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. You hear that? That's the special sauce right there. It's the peace of God. And so what do we do? Through prayer and supplication, we put ourselves, our lives, our thoughts, our worries into that peace of God. And we pray. And all of a sudden, things taste different in our life. We get a, we get a peace that surpasses all understanding. Pastor Rex, can you please explain peace that surpasses all understanding? <clears throat> no, I can't, okay? Because it's a peace that surpasses what? All understanding. We can't get it. We don't get it. It's like, man, I, I feel at peace about this. I can't explain it. Exactly. Isn't that awesome? That's the peace of God. How do I get I can't tell you. It's the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. And the world wants it explained because we can't explain it to the world. The world says, then it's not legit and it's not real, so I don't want that Christianity stuff. And it's like, but that's what makes it so awesome is it's beyond our understanding because if I could explain it, then I would be God, and I'm not. He is. So it's beyond me. I can imagine, you know, as, you, as you're reading this, and, and we have to think about maybe to Paul, who is authoring this, who is in prison, when he's writing about the peace of God, which amazes me, of all places to be, locked up, bars, whatever. And he's sitting there going, all things. Don't be anxious. I'm just going to prayer, supplication with thanksgiving. I'm going to present my request to God. And the peace of God. He's probably looking over at the guys that are guarding him. Roman soldiers, armor on, helmets, swords, shield. Knives packed, intimidating soldiers at the doors. And he's sitting there probably penning this and saying, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard, yeah, will guard my heart and protect it from evil. It's just like nobody's getting in, nobody's getting out because of these guards, when God's peace stands at the heart of my, or the door of my heart, nothing's getting in, nothing's getting out because this peace which surpasses all understanding is guarding it. It's an amazing thing. We have victory because we have an undefeated God who says, be anxious about nothing. So I'm going to give you my peace. 
so much easier said than lived out, isn't it? I want to read a different translation to you here from this. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and prayers shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Summing it all up, friends, I'll say you'll do best by feeling your minds, meditating on things that are true and noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized. Do that. And God who makes everything work together will work you into his most excellent harmonies. We have an undefeated, victorious God who lives in us and wants us to be able to do our best. He wants us to have victory. We just got to get our minds back focused out of these anxious thoughts into truth. Be anxious for nothing, for no things. What are those no things? Turn with me now back to Romans. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, chapter 8. We're going to read most of this chapter. Try to soak it in. So as we read together, follow along, bear with me. There's so much good stuff here we can't take time to expand on and on now. A good thorough study through the book of Romans is life-changing, I'll say that. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, let's read. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Listen to this, verse 2. For the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you through Christ Jesus from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses could not save us because of our sinful nature. But God put into effect a different plan to save us. What was his plan? We know it in John 3, 16, right? He sent his own son in a human body like ours, except that ours are sinful. God destroyed sin's control over us by giving his son, Jesus Christ, as a sacrifice for our sins. Verse 4, he did this so that the requirement of the law would be fully accomplished for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. If your sinful nature controls your mind, there's death. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there's life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you, are you hearing this? Brothers and sisters in Christ, you hear this? But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You're controlled by the Spirit. If you have the Spirit of God living in you, and remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them are not Christians at all. Since Christ lives within you, let's say that together. Since Christ lives within you, take you out and put the word me in. Let's say it together. Since Christ lives within me, one more time. Since Christ lives within me, read on. 
since Christ lives within you, even though your body will die because of sin, your spirit is alive because you've been made right with God. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as he raised Christ from the dead, he'll give life to your mortal body by the same spirit living within you. How much more clear do I need to be in telling you that Christ lives in you, brothers and sisters? An undefeated God, victorious God living in you. Paul's talking about this, and it continues on verse 12. So dear Christian friends, you have no obligation whatsoever to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. You don't have to. For you keep, if you keep on following it, you'll perish. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit you turn from it and its evil deeds, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Verse 15. So you should not be like cowering, fearful slaves. You should behave instead like God's very own children, adopted into his family, calling him Father, dear Father. For his Holy Spirit speaks to us deep in our hearts, tells us that we're God's children. And since we're his children, we share his treasures. For everything God gives his Son, Christ is ours too. But if we share his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Isn't it amazing that Christ lives in with us and everything that God shares with Jesus, he shares with us. That peace that we're talking about, that power, that love, that self-discipline, God gives to us. He shares it with Jesus, he shares it with us. Let's go to verse 30. Skip down to verse 30. Having chosen them, he called them to come to him and he gave them right standing with himself. That righteousness position. He promised them his glory. Verse 31. What can we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can be against us? Since God didn't spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't God, who gave us Christ, also give up everything? Skip down to verse 35. You know, Paul told us to be anxious for nothing, right? Be anxious for nothing. Paul helps us define a few of what those nothings are. Verse 35. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or we're persecuted or we're hungry? Maybe we're cold or in danger or threatened to death. Even the scriptures say, for your sake, we're killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep. Verse 37, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victories ours through Christ who loved us. Read on. I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from his love. Death can't, life can't, angels can't, demons can't. Our fears today, our worries about tomorrow. Let me hear you say our worries about tomorrow. Our worries about tomorrow. Even the powers of hell can't keep God's love away. Whether we're high above the sky or deepest ocean, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Let me ask you again. Can anything separate us from God's love? No. No. But what do we get anxious over? All these things. What, what things? Oh, the things that can't separate us from God's love? 
Let me give you an example. We have a lease on our building. The old ministry center that we're currently renting right now, we have a lease on that building, all right? If we don't find somebody to take over that lease, when we move out, we have to pay six more months of that lease. That's the way that it goes, okay? You can actually pay longer, but our renter is saying, I'll only make you pay six months. It's like, okay, so we're going to have to pay out six months while we're not in there, unless we find somebody to lease the building. Whew, a little anxious thought there. That's a lot of rent money we could save, right? Ooh, I hope we find somebody. I hope we find somebody, right? Now, if you remember our budget meeting last year, we sort of had this area sectioned off. We tore down the chairs. We had a little family church meeting, and we talked about our budget, and we said we need to approve our budget. Well, but our budget looks like we, we've got this much we're going to spend, and it looks like we're only going to bring in this much. There's a little gap there, and how are we going to fill the gap? And, and what a lot of us don't understand is that probably 90% plus of churches and nonprofit organizations, we have what's called faith-based budgets. We believe God is going to help us close the gap. Really? Yeah. A lot of churches, I'm going to say 90% of churches have that faith base. We, we know what came in an offering, and we know what we spend, but you never know what's going to happen with the offering. So there might be a gap, and we pray that God's going to fill that gap. And I remember we had that meeting, and there was a couple of people like, are we going to be able to close the gap? Right? We, we worry about these things, right? People are going to give, right? God's going to act, right? Okay? Let me say this. God acted. Okay? God acted. That gap, I believe, is gone. And I'm going to tell you why. Because that lease, which we have six months, we got a phone call this week on Monday saying, oh, by the way, the building you're sitting in right now is sold. So the sooner you can get out of there into your building that you're trying to renovate right now, the better. Okay? So it's like, oh, let's get on to church, right? Okay? So we're just, as soon as we can get out of our building, we're out, okay? But are we going to have to pay those six months? No. God took care of it. We're trying to find somebody to lease it. God found somebody to buy it. God is good, amen? Sometimes we step back, we, we just create storms in our lives, you know? We just create these issues in our lives, these worries, these fears. And God's like, why are you doing that? I didn't give you a spirit of fear. I gave you a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. Be anxious for nothing. Sometimes we can't be victorious in life because we're wrapped up in the wrong thing with the wrong thoughts. My brothers and sisters in Christ, I've got more I want to say. So I'm going to pause. Part two is going to be in two weeks, okay? So that's all I'm going to say. Come back in two weeks, hear the rest. So I'm going to tell you about the, the storms that are going on in our lives right now. Parents, I'm going to tell you what's going on with your kids. Maybe not necessarily your kids, but the kids in the high school today. This past week has been an incredible week of seeing things, hearing things, witnessing things, praying with people. It's just been incredible. I'm sitting there going, this is going on all around us. And I often feel a lot of times we don't understand how we need to make sure we are so connected to God. Because apart from him, we can do nothing. So we need to make sure we're connected to him. Being here Sunday morning in church, being in the Bible study, getting in a small group is so important, so valuable for you. For students, children to be in TUPAS or GPS, it's important. To be plugged in is so important. Because apart from him, what we do, we start letting those anxious thoughts take over. We start worrying. 
when we disconnect from God, it's just a, it's just a bad spiral. It's a bad spiral. But here's the good news. Paul said it best. But thank God. Let me hear you say thank God. Thank God. Let's, get, let's do it again. Thank God. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong. Stand firm. Immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that Nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. How are you living for him today? You may not feel very victorious. He wants to be victorious through you because he lives in you. Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. He gave you a spirit of love, power, and self-discipline. Amen? Would you please stand with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, you are an awesome and mighty God. And God, I know a lot of times as we, as we go through life, we get caught up in things that trigger thoughts in our minds. We start thinking things, and then we start believing things in our heart, and then we start acting on those things, and it, it gets rather messy. So God, I thank you for your truth where your mind is not to be anxious for anything. But instead, through prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, we present our request to you. We come to you in prayer. And the peace, your peace, which surpasses all understanding, guards our hearts. Lord, today we take our thoughts and we're going to just place it and put it in your hands. We're going to let it marinate in your prayer sauce right now, God. So that our thoughts change, so that our hearts are renewed, so that our behavior is acted upon in a way that honors you. God, I think of what Paul said in Romans 8. There's no condemnation in us now. Your spirit lives in us. Your spirit lives in us. We can be victorious because your spirit lives in us us and you did not give us a spirit of fear but of power and love and self-discipline so god when we try to act on our own and do our own things we're going to fail but when we let you live through us we're going to be victorious whether it's gauged victorious or not by others it doesn't matter it's being obedient to you in that moment so god help us to remember that truth. Lord, help, help us take maybe these scriptures this week and just put them in a place where we can see them. To remind ourselves, it's you living in us. But God, what scares me is there might be somebody in this room this morning that doesn't have that. They've never prayed. They've never asked for forgiveness. They've never trusted you to be the savior of their life. There might be somebody in this room this morning that's like, well, that's nice, but I, I really don't know if I've ever done that before. I want to be victorious, but I feel like I fail all the time. I want to be victorious, but I really don't pray. I really, I, you know, sort of go through the motions. God, if there's somebody in this room this morning that that's them, Lord, I pray this morning 
them and for all of us remember you love us so much you sent your son to die for us to give us new life to give us freedom from sin so God we thank you for that and we ask you that you forgive us for our sins forgive us God the things we've messed up we've done we know they're wrong forgive us Lord God, thank you for saving us. Lord, we want to place our faith in you. We want to trust you because you are a faithful God. So God, we ask for forgiveness. We ask that you come into our lives to be the Lord of our life, the one in charge. We humbly thank you and we ask that your spirit just fall upon us, Lord. Add spirit of power and love and self-discipline. For the anxious thoughts that we've had harboring in our minds and in our hearts, God, we give those to you this morning. Just going to marinate them in your sauce. And you're going to change the flavor. We don't have to be anxious anymore because we trust you. God, you're good. God, you're good. We thank you for you being in charge. You've given us your spirit. Help us be victorious for you, God. We sing to you now, Lord. We sing to you in the name we pray. Amen.